You are listening to the Fantasy Joes Podcast, your weekly dose of fun and unique fantasy football talk with a focus on Dynasty. And now, here are your hosts, Trey Barrett, Will Greenwood, and Ryan Livergood. Hey, that's right. We're the Fantasy Joes. I am at Rotor Librarian, Ryan Livergood. And joining me is my co-host from the Pillow Palace in Minneapolis, Minnesota. It's Will the Thrill Greenwood. Hey, 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 hey. I'm excited for tonight. We've had a great, great conversation so far. And these two fellas that are joining us tonight, I think they're just, you know, they're going to bring out the fire in the Joes. And I don't think I've yelled a lot recently. So it's coming out tonight. So tonight we, we've got uh, t- two gentlemen joining us. Uh, first of all, we have Andrew Mancini. He is at the Football Pot on Twitter. He's a fellow Bears fan, author, sports writer, creator of the Football Pot. Andrew, uh, a, oh, a contributor. I want to ask you about this at Texans underscore TT. Um, Andrew Mancini, what, what's up, Andrew? How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Thanks good, for having good. Me. Yeah, well, thanks for being here. What what is so? That's one thing. I well, we'll, we'll actually we'll get into this a little bit later. But I, I'm curious. Before I introduce our next guest, what is um that at Texans underscore TT. So do you do some writing about the, the Houston Texans or is that something else? Yeah, that's correct. So that's, um, if you know the sports conglomerate fan cited, uh, they have a Houston mm-hmm. Texans specific blog called, um, oh, uh, Toro Times. And so I uh, do a little bit of freelance, just kind of uh, content creation for them and a little bit of freelance content creation for uh, the FF astronauts. Excellent. And also joining us this evening, it's Jacob Vines. He's at jsnake underscore DFF on Twitter, writer for King Fantasy Sports. Jacob, what's going on? Welcome to the Fantasy Joes. Thank you, guys. Glad to be on here. I'm doing good. So I connected with you guys on Twitter. You, uh, Andrew, you started this thread about uh, talking about uh, two tight end leagues and, uh, you know, you, you wishing there was more two tight end content. And I, I made this joke about how at – face to Joe underscore Will, Will Greenwood. You need to talk to him because he loves to talk about two tight end leagues, one of his favorite types of formats. And, and we, we all got to talking and we're like, hey, let's do a show about two tight end leagues. So here we are. We're doing it. We're, we're talking about two tight end leagues and we're super excited. My first question for you guys, why join a two tight end league? I am not in any. Will and I have talked about joining one together. But but why would we want to do that? I mean, the tight end position is, is gross, guys. Why, why would we want to put ourselves through that, through that nasty process of having to start two tight ends each week? Well, for me, uh, I, the two tight end league is sort of one of my favorite formats. I think it really, um, I don't know, something about it feels like you're building a much more substantial team. It changes the way you have to think about your draft. It changes the way you sort of value tight ends and tight end position, definitely. So I think it just... Um, and something you said earlier too, it just kind of changes up the fantasy experience a little bit in a good way, in my opinion. Yeah, right. Bring it back to like 20, 2012, 2011, when, <clears throat> when quarterbacks had value, when there was this, this elite tier and then everything dropped off. That's what we are getting into the glory years of tight end where Superflex became relevant because you had the second tier of quarterbacks starting to come up and the, like taking a quarterback just became boring. Tight end has become boring. Everybody's late round tight end besides the top couple. And it just adds a level of intrigue and, uh, you, you know, thought process and mix up in a two tight end league that I'm just such a fan of. It, it's, I, I bet in three years from now, 
you're going to be in a super flex two tight end league, and that's going to be a standard in Dynasty. Jacob, you agree with that? Yeah, I do. Uh, I think one thing that as just people that are involved in either Dynasty or Fantasy that we need to think about is how can I join a league that's different from a previous league that changes my thought process and maybe leads me to um, look into players in a different fashion. Like in start two tight end leagues, you get excited about Darren Fells. And he may actually be a good stash in your one tight end league at the end of your 30th round or whatever, but you don't think about him. You think, oh, I'd rather have the shiny toy of Rodney Anderson right now or something like that. So I, I definitely agree with both what Andrew and Will said that just it's just a new way to look at it. And I do agree that I think start two tight end is going to become more popular because it does raise that middle and lower tier tight end value. Ryan, yeah. I gotta I gotta jump in and share Go this ahead. a little bit a little bit a little bit early. Uh so the my first two tight end league that I was ever in, let's go back to the 2019 draft because that was a better tight end draft class, right? Than the 2020. Uh the first uh, yeah. I'm just Same I'm just gonna say. go through the first 10 picks off the board. Uh this is a super flex league. It's actually a pretty high dollar league, so like people are invested in this, but the the way the rookie board went for two tight end, it goes TJ Hawkinson. Kyler Murray, Josh Jacobs, Noah Fant, uh, Nikhil Harry, David Montgomery, Dwayne Haskins, Miles Sanders, Irv Smith Jr., picked up by yours truly, uh, Daniel Jones. And we don't need to go on after that. But having so that's that adds three tight ends to the top 10 picks in a rookie draft. It, the number one pick overall and drives everything down. So the values here, if somebody else had that first pick, they might have gone a different direction, gone like Josh Jacobs or Kyler Murray but it was one of the most astounding drafts I've ever been a part of where I had no idea, no idea what the other owners in my league were doing. And that was such a fun experience to go through. So that's another reason I think going to two tight end is uh, it's, it's something to dive into. It, it's really interesting. It is going to be, it's during the season, it can be super frustrating, but oh, it is a, it is a fantasy, fantasy fun time. Yeah, I'm big on Irv. Uh, I just picked him up in this two tight end uh, draft that I'm in the middle of, and I have I also have Kirk Cousins, uh, Cook, Madison, and Boone. So <laughs> <laughs> going going deep on the Vikings, and well, to- just you know making sure I get the cuff and the cuff to the cuff, you know. <laughs> yeah, and so here's what happens though in that two tight end league again too, like and moving down in the 2020 draft. Uh, it goes Burrow, Tua, you know, CEH, Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, Justin Herbert, Cam Makers, yada, yada, yada. The first tight end, let's see here, wasn't taken uh, until I took, Ryan, and you're going to love this, Cole Komet at the 301 was the first tight end taking these two tight ends. So we went from three tight ends in the top ten to the first tight end being in the third round because those tight ends last year didn't do anything for your fantasy team for the most part. They weren't weak winners. Yeah, no offense. And TJ Atkinson had flashes of brilliance. Irv Smith didn't really have anything there. You you know, that that it, it's I just find this absolutely fascinating. Yeah, so, I think go ahead, Jay. I was I was just gonna say that one thing that could be an interesting strategy related to drafting tight ends and such is you know, the tight ends don't usually hit until year two, year three typically. So is it a smart play to say sit off or like draft other players that are recruit value and then wait on the tight ends or do you get in while they're hot? Like, I think I'd still want Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson on my team. And you just are like, okay, they're going to be a top 12 tight end. I'm almost certain of it and get them now, even though you may not see the production for a couple of years. 
I want to ask you guys, what is the behavior in a two tight end league then? That, that was my question. So is the, is the smart play to draft players that are going to return value sooner? Uh, like, you know, obviously you draft a, a running back and the running back, you know, hits their rookie season, their value is going to go up. Where a tight end, most of the time, it's going to take a while to get a return on that investment. Or do owners that draft tight ends in these leagues, do they hold on to them? Because they know it's a long-term investment and they're just going to be patient. How, how do owners usually react? Or do, or do we see the same impatience we see in every other dynasty league? So that's actually a really good question. I haven't been in any long-standing start two tight end links like Will has, so he may have a better answer to this. But I feel like the better play would be to get maybe the older tight ends, like trade for a Kelsey if a team is starting to rebuild or something like that, and then um, get a couple of young rookies. Like I feel like Irv Smith's an excellent example of a guy that you can still get for – pretty cheap and he'll be elite i think and maybe this year probably next year um so i'd personally go more running back heavy especially in 2020 um and then wait on the tight end sort of like what everybody else did yeah my experience so far is nobody wants to pay for the tight end for what you paid uh initially so i took irv smith at the 109 in the 2019 draft or 2019 draft i had the one 109 110 so i went daniel jones irv smith but uh I got offered just a 2022nd for Irv Smith going into this year. And I, you know, I sent them a counter back with the first, a future first and their second. I go, this is what I paid. This is what I think he's worth in this two tight end format. And it was basically rejected and thrown back in my face with spit on it immediately. And that's the, that's the one thing like of growing to learn your league and the value of tight ends, but it, and, and Ryan, you know, my, my hatred with this, I hate waiting on players. Like as far as my internal, like mental, uh, like, like build it, it uh, like having a guy sit on your bench for years or taxi squad where you can't start him, but you know, he's valuable. It bothers me to my core. You know, I think it, I think for me, I'm always, I'm always aiming to acquire a, a variety. I think everyone does, but I think for me specifically, the way I approach it is I, I try to build a core of, of win now pieces that will be consistent and, uh, last at least you know three four more years as that consistent high value and then you know there are other positions like I'm not too worried about getting a bunch of top tier uh, you know because of position running back is something that I target heavily tight end you know valuable tight ends consistent tight ends tight ends that produce are scarce so that's another one especially in two tight end leagues another position that i like to sort of target heavily and build that depth out but um you know for me i think i think peppering in guys like mims or guys like burrow or guys like uh you know even anthony mcfarland or deandre swift or Keshawn vaughn getting a couple of those guys will give you enough of that long-term value where you can say okay well i I can sit on him because I also have, um, you know, uh, Kenyon Drake and Melvin Gordon as my, as my, as my first and second running backs. So where do we begin? So let's say guys, we're doing a two tight end startup draft. Um, a super flex league, two tight end startup what's what's the approach that you take like what what do owners need to look for 
uh, when they join a league like this? What, where, cause I, cause you know, Will and I are talking about joining a league like this. I know Will's got experience. I don't, if I joined a league by myself, Jacob, where, where do I start? Yeah. So I would recommend starting by looking at some value-based drafting strategies. So value-based drafting is sort of, you are looking at, you can do it a couple of ways, but I'm going to talk about how you compare, like, let's say the tight end one to the tight end 24, because that's the worst available starter. And so then you do that for tight end one through tight end 24. You do it if it's super flex QB one to QB 24. If you're starting three wide receivers, wide receiver one to wide receiver 36, comparing all that. And then just see how all the players um, fit up together. And so I'm not saying you have to do that. I am a psycho and I decided to do it from 2019 to 2015 and do all averages and such. Um, But I would think just looking at it from the, just like 2019 alone and just seeing where that tight end falls, because that shows you, okay, I can pick a tight end um, in the first round and I should probably have Kittle and Kelsey go in the first round because they ended up returning that value in that first round. So um, I'll leave it there and just say, sort of just get a, get a feel for how much value that tight end position actually has. I love that approach really to any league and, and, you know, we have not done an IDP show and I don't want to divert us to IDP, <laughs> but one, that's one of my first advice, like any time, any type of new league you're joining. So whether it's two tight end or IDP, when, when the, the positional value changes completely or positions that are completely new to you, that's such a great thing to do that I think so many people don't do because it takes a little bit of time to sit there and get out the spreadsheets and, and put those numbers in but it's totally worth it because then you will have an idea of, of how to value players versus uh, I think a lot way a lot of owners approach it is just, they just go in and, and they kind of have their favorites and, you know, they, maybe they have their rankings, but they haven't taken those rankings and put them in the context of the league itself and how the league does the scoring. So I, I think that's a, that's a great start. Um, Andrew, what, what else would you recommend to people going into a two tight end startup league? What, what's another uh, approach that you you would take or would you take a different approach to start yeah, uh you know i think i think that's probably the best way to do it is just cultivate knowledge and and try and get an understanding of how having to start a second tight end changes the value of the tight end position like jake was saying and uh get some um i mean i'm a, i'm a fan of the drafting by value as well you know just trying to get the most value and most return I can from that pick position, even if it doesn't necessarily fit my team building strategy, because, um, you know, another phrase I like is everything's flippable. So, you know, if you trade up to get a pick, you could flip that pick and, you know, trade out of it if you want. If you're going to pick the highest value guy on the board, you can flip him to another league mate and, and get, you know, potentially the same amount of value, if not more. So I hear, I have a th- random thought in my head and I want to run this by you guys, but you know, there, there's the zero RB strategy. What about a zero tight end strategy? Is that completely insane to do in a two tight end league? Like just decide I'm going to completely punt on the position and I'm going to, you know, lock in some quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers. And then late in the draft, I'm just going to draft whatever tight ends are left on the board. Is that like the completely wrong way to do it? Or is there some validity to that strategy? I, I just, I just thought of it randomly. I just thought I'd ask if that was insane or not. For me, 
or oh, Will, yeah. you can go ahead. Yeah, well, in my experience so far in drafts with two tight end, I mean, I'm only in three leagues, so that it's not this like massive sample size. But I think most people take that strategy, and so in my opinion, I think taking tight ends earlier is a better way to go about it and a way to grab an advantage. But you do in a startup for this year, you're going to have to be patient because you have to watch the other players in your league see what tight end value does to them in their weekend week out starters. So basically Ryan, in my opinion, everybody punts tight ends. Uh, They actually don't realize the value of them, uh, especially in a value-based drafting scenario of what they are. So you have an opportunity to grab them earlier. Yeah. I was going to say the exact same thing. Well, in that, I think it's the smarter play to take those tight ends early and often because we can even look back at Travis Kelsey. He's been the tight end one the last four years. Like if you drafted him in 2015, you are sitting pretty. You've enjoyed the run. Um, And also like the first, I'd say I have the tight end list for 2019. The first like four, three to four tight ends are usually the same. Like you have your Kelsey, Kittle, and Ertz. And then, like, this last year we had uh, Mark Andrews come in, Austin Hooper blew up, Darren Waller showed up. And so if you can get those first three, like, almost sure things, I would do that. And then uh, see who falls out of that middle tier, unless it's Irv Smith. I know we've talked about Irv Smith a couple times, and he is somebody that I would definitely reach to go grab. Yeah, I felt I felt good about taking him. Um, I think it was a – I think it was like a – ninth or 10th round pick even maybe later than that and I felt really good about that that's awesome they they, they blossom uh so quickly at the <laughs> tight end position honestly and that it's, you want to be as long as you're ahead of that I mean even like look at look at Tyler Higby so I'm looking at PFF's projections in a full PPR league and Higby get almost like maybe in a two tight end league he was roster in the back of somebody's roster but more than likely he was he was potentially out there he's potentially out there well now for 2020 and this is just an example of where he's going to be valued moving into the season pff has him uh at a full ppr league without any bonuses as the seventh overall tight end that's Mm -hmm. a massive massive jump and that's what i think is super fun about two tight ends too is because there is there is a lot of variance you have your top four or five tight ends because i still think Ertz is is at least a solid producer uh mark andrews is pretty safe Kittle's safe, Kelsey's safe, assuming no injuries. But a- but after that, it gets really, really, really fun. I'm actually going to probably make both you, uh, Will, and Andrew yell at me, but I'm actually not sold on the Higby train because uh, I recently saw a stat, and like I know some people talked about Gerald Everett being healthy week 16 and week 17, but he was actually outsnapped by their tight end three those two weeks. And so seeing that makes me wonder – if if maybe the hype for that tight end seven is a little bit too high, I'm not saying he won't be a good tight end because he did produce great, but and, I just – you go ahead. Oh, yeah, I'm completely with you. Like, Higby is such a valuable sell right now. That's what I would be doing, but that's why the two tight end league is fun because now all of a sudden this guy who came from nowhere, you could get maybe a first-round pick for Higby. With, uh, it, it's, oh, it's fun. And I really wanted to make you yell right there, but all right, I'll take it. I'll take you agreeing with me. <laughs> <laughs> all right all right andrew we got to defend your guy so i i've called him on the show um tyler hyvie because people are so high on this guy and, and um because they because they are but but tyler higby what what do you think like like why do you why do you feel so confident in him why do you love him 
Well, you know, I, I do really like him. I hadn't seen that stat, so that's interesting to me. Um, and, and, you know, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there is a potential window to sell high, sell high while his value is high and, and see a good, good value return there. But what I do like about him is when Gerald Everett wasn't on the field, it seemed like he was uh, large, largely integrated into their offense. And uh, I think the way with, with Brandon Cooks moving to Houston, I think there's just a lot of opportunity for the receivers to step up in that offense. And I think, um, you know, Higby showing the type of production that he was able to last season, you know, talent, talent gets the ball. You know, if they're going to go with the hot hand. So if if Higby can continue to produce at the at the rate and volume at which he was, I think you know, I think there's a lot of upside there. And again, that's that's something I like to do in these two tight end leagues. Is I like to look for uh, value at the tight end position. Who you know, guys who have the upside to become a, a top ten tight end but you don't have to spend a first second third round draft pick because you can get Tyler Higby as a as your tight end one who's going to probably be you know relatively consistent he might not be the top five tight end every week but he'll be relatively consistent uh, even if he does have a down year I think and so for me like you know targeting him with a seventh or eighth round pick versus targeting Kels or Kittle or Andrews with a first, second or third round pick respectively, you know, it's just um, the, the potential for return on that value is, is, is quite abundant. Ryan, I think we need to get these fellows involved and do our two tight end super flex mock draft started because there's no data on two tight end startup ADP. We'll have to recruit our, our friend Jake Patterson, and um, he set up. He our said last he's all in. He's been calling Joe, me all day. Joe's mock draft, and, and just, <laughs> so I definitely have some guys that would be interested in that too. I'd be down. I'd right. be interested. All right, you heard it here first, so we're gonna do it. We're gonna do a uh, two tight ends uh, startup. We'll have to have a follow up show, you know, like a month from now, and we'll yeah. But, and I also think the argument for Higby too is that he got re-signed by the Rams. Not yeah. that they're the best at. At, at offering players contracts, <laughs> I mean, that's, it's it's almost like uh, do, how hard do you want to value that based on their their history currently, and even cutting Todd Gurley and the amount that that cost them. What they did with Brandon Cooks, uh, it's it it could be a mess. But Everett could be gone after this year because they can't afford him. So is a dynasty play. I think Higby still can be moved up. I just want to sell Higby at his for what I see as a, a nice like high bump in his value to a savvy two tight end owner who understands what he's worth. Well, like I said, you know, everything is flippable. So if there's a, if there's a sell high window, I think now is the time on Higby while the hype is still there. But, but two, something else you said is, you know, the, the Rams can't figure out a contract. And I think their backfield is another reason that I'm a little bit higher on, on both Everett and Higby is just because, you know, maybe Henderson gets some of the work up front just because he's the incumbent guy, but then you've got acres nipping at his heel. You got Malcolm Brown who has a little bit of a goal line threat, but they don't really have their established running back. I think they're thinking acres would be that long-term, but in the meantime, I think they're, they're going to be relying on the guys that they already know they can trust. Like Higby, like cup, like woods. Yeah. So Higby, like early season could like accrue some value. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think, I think it's a good point. Hey guys, let's transition into discussing some trades that have happened, trades we can talk about, because I, I think you know, we want to know, we want to <clears throat> discuss val- players in the context of the value that they have. So I, th- I think Will, both you and Jacob put in some trades in the show sheet. So who wants to kick it off in terms of uh, I have one trade trades. I can add to after that. Awesome. Well, cool. I can I can start with mine. So these are is, these are all Jacob, by the way. Oh, these Jason are all Jacob. mine. Oh, okay, cool. Um, so in two of these trades are in rebuild teams. So the first trade I did was I traded away the three point oh three. Oh, let me start with the league settings. So it's a twelve team start two tight end half PPR where tight ends get a full PPR. So it's like a tight end two X with the start two tight end. So I traded away the 3.03, which became Chase Claypool, the 3.06, which was Darienton Evans, and Foster Moreau for O.J. Howard. Um, Hmm. I saw that trade as a slam dunk because I'm getting a guy that I I do not trust Gronk this year at all. I think you could get injured. I just – I'm not a fan. And even 2021, because that's when my team's trying to compete, I could see O.J. Howard being a good piece to have. Well, I like Howard for, for 21. Um, I think he has a lot of potential to be to get the starting job as a tight end, even if it's not Tampa Bay, because of his um, not only his pass catching ability, but he is an elite pass blocker too. I think he had the highest pass block win rate of any tight end in the league last year, and I think it was upward of ninety eight percent. Yeah, I, I mean, when I look at this, for me, this is pretty much a slam dunk because uh, I, I feel. Like you're easily getting the best player in the deal in OJ Howard. Um, I mean, you know, he's a, he's a first round tight end. As I was telling you guys before we started recording, I'm a bit of a draft capital snob. And first round tight ends, you know, they've got really high hit rates. Usually, not always, but they usually work themselves out, work themselves out, and eventually become these you know tight end ones in the league. So I, I love OJ Howard. I think he's extremely talented. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what's going on in, in Tampa Bay, but you're right. I mean, Gronk being there is, is not a death sentence for him. And even if he, even if it doesn't work out in 2020, 2021, he, I, I think he's going to land someplace where he's really going to blow up. And, you know, those other guys, I'm, Chase Claypool, I'm not, not into at all. Darrington Evans is kind of an interesting guy in terms of, a, you know, kind of a, a you know, backup running back in, in Tennessee. And then and Foster Moreau, I, I I don't know. I'd love to hear you guys talk a little bit more about him, but I don't, I don't see, I see him as kind of a, a minor piece that, you know, may get some receptions and in Las Vegas, but I I don't see him as being, yeah, I guess in a two tight end league, you probably start him as your second tight end. I guess he is, he's probably starting for you each week. I don't know, but no, I I think that's a slam dunk trade. I think that's an easy win. And I mean, to me, to me, that, that was, that was, that was an easy, easy. Yes. Did you, did you propose that Jacob or did, did someone propose that to you or did you negotiate that? So it was proposed to me. They wanted a second round pick for OJ Howard before. And I was just like, no, I'll take my second round pick. Cause it was the 2.04, which became T Higgins. And so, um, and then they just sent me that trade and I was like, yeah, I'll do that. And it hurt getting rid of Foster Moreau because I think if um, Darren Waller ends up leaving, he has a nice potential on that team, but at the same time, that's two, three years out. So. Will, what do you think? Oh Yeah. This is an easy slam dunk in a two tight end league to at least the upside of OJ Howard where he can go. Uh, you know, Chase Claypool, Darius Evans. I actually, I am kind of high on Foster Moreau, 
But I don't like that they added Jason Witten, but the oh, the Raiders. I, I just don't know because Moreau flashed some good signs last year, and I think as far as a long-term starter that he is actually a nice little buy low in two tight end leagues. So, but in this in this scenario, just uh, based on percentages and what's going to happen, OJ Howard is easy slam dunk. Uh, one thing to add real quick is I just looked up Darren Waller's contract and he has no more dead cap after this season. So yeah, it's basically a one-year deal. Yeah. So I, I, as, as what you said, well, I think OJ Howard has the higher likelihood to hit, but Foss Moreau, excellent late round pick for start two tight end. And the other thing I should mention about Waller too, is, is we know he has a, as a, a, you know, kind of a, a negative history, I think was it substance abuse issues in his past. So, I mean, hopefully it's past him and it's not an issue, but in the back of my head, I'm very risk averse. And I always, you know, label those guys that have these, because drug addiction is a serious thing. It's really hard to get over that. So uh, something to, to not forget. Um, so yeah, Murrow is interesting in, in that respect. And you're right. The Raiders can move on. So. Uh, I want to, yeah, I, w- I want to pop in here too. So two tight end, full PPR, super flex league. Would you trade the one-on-one for George Kittle? All day. No questions asked. So you're talking about the 2020? Um, yeah, tw- this year, okay. one-on-one. I would. Uh, uh, Andrew's thinking about it. Please. Yeah, I don't I don't know. That's, <laughs> that's a little tough for me. Because... Um, you know, I don't know. I, that's, that, that I, can, have to... I can throw in some stuff. So looking at uh, value-based drafting data over the last five years, the tight end one should be drafted at number seven overall. And then the tight end two is number 11 overall. So I'd say Kittle is somewhere in there in like the point scale. So for me, that's an easy thing to pick him over J- Jonathan Taylor or CEH because um, in that range as well as like RB3, which is like Zeke, RB4, which is Kamara, um, and RB5 is all around there. So I would definitely do that trade. Is that – I'm sorry. Were you saying a rookie? A rookie no, this is – Yeah, so this, this, this is – Sorry, this was the rookie 101 in 2020. Ah, for George Kittle. Yeah, that's a no-brainer. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I am with you, Andrew, that you have to really think about that 1.01 to 1.06 range. For yeah, yeah, I agree. But, but no, I, I yeah, that's, that's a no-brainer for me. Yeah, so that because, was uh, – oh, sorry, Ryan. No, I was going to say because, you know, you're, you're basically – you're getting that guaranteed guy that's a, the first-round startup pick versus – yeah, I, I mean, maybe one of those other running backs hits and becomes a first-round startup pick, but that's, that's, that's a little bit wishful thinking so yeah Kittle is the known commodity it, it's kind of what put me into a little bit of a conundrum in the two tight end league that I'm in that's a little bit higher stakes is I did have the one-on-one because last year based on injuries it, like like Roethlisberger going down everything like I just had to get rid of assets and tank like Antonio Brown I'd move for the last year there's just some mistakes made long term but so I ended up trading Justice Hill uh the 101 uh the 201 and I think it was like the, the, the 209-ish for Austin Eckler and George Kittle, which completely revamps my team and kind of moves it from that rebuilding into the next tier. But I'm also like, it, it, that's why this, this roster this roster build is the most confusing overall because of a deal like this. Like now I'm getting George Kittle, which is just this great asset that you should be able to win now. But the rest of the team, I don't know if it's there yet. But I, I, actually, I actually do think it is. But that's uh, – that I, I really, really jumped at the opportunity when when that 
uh, other owner started discussing George Kittle with the 101, and I was just salivating. <laughs> so I have a question for you guys with, with like a guy like Foster Moreau, who has some intrigue. Where does a guy like him, um, like this, this standalone value compare to the like a rookie in this 2020 class, for example? So I'll throw out Keyshawn Vaughn because we talked about him on the Patreon show. Excuse for him to us to talk about him here. So like Keyshawn Vaughn or Foster Moreau, is, is he valuable enough where you're taking a Foster Moreau like late first, early second, or a way off base Keyshawn Vaughn slam dunk? That to me is way off base because I'd even take Cole Komet <laughs> over Keyshawn Vaughn or I'd take Trotman or any of the rookies over um, over Foster Moreau, which they are going like third and fourth round picks. Okay. Yeah, yeah Ryan, that's way off base. <laughs> Yeah, no, I have, I have to agree. Um, just thinking about like a startup draft too, Keyshawn Vaughn is probably going in the sixth or seventh round versus someone like Foster Moreau going at least like the 11th or 12th round. So, All right, two tight end, Keyshawn Vaughn versus Irv Smith. There we go. Irv Smith. <sighs> All right, yeah. Junior the third. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think, I think it depends on, on sort of what you're looking for. But, but I think, I mean, no, you going, with, to, the, you going with the proven talent and the and the you know opportunity for consistency, I think that's Irv. But I think if you're you know hoping to hit a home run and you're gonna sink some investment into building building on high potential rookies, then maybe Keyshawn Vaughn. Yeah, you have, you have two buckets hanging off a cliff. One is Keyshawn Vaughn, one is Irv Smith. You got to drop one of them. Well, I got both of them in my 14 team huh. startups. So. <laughs> <laughs> Do we want to talk about Keyshawn Vaughn real quick? Because I got some interesting polls that will probably fire yeah. up Will. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's I go. mean, because one thing that Irv Smith has over Keyshawn Vaughn is age. I mean, Irv Smith Jr. is he's 21 right now. He turns 22 in August, whereas yeah. Keyshawn Vaughn, we all know, is is 45 years old. So, uh, <laughs> big difference in age there. Yeah. So I started noticing that Ronald Jones is getting picked above Keyshawn Vaughn in some of the um, redraft mocks I was doing, and so I sent a Twitter ball that I said. Um, who do you want straight up on your dynasty team in like a PPR league? And it was 50.8% Keyshawn Vaughn, 49.2% Ronald Jones. And no one has I, any idea. I know. And then I asked the same question for redraft and it was 70, 70.7% for Jones, 29.3% for Vaughn. That makes that makes sense for redraft, just because a lot of people think that you know the incumbent guy is going to get the starting role out of the gate, and and it'll be his job to lose versus you know lose before before season even starts. Yeah, and that's the environment we're in this year too. Is everybody fading the fringe rookies based on their opportunity to mesh with the offense? But but. Don't get me wrong. I think Vaughn is a great athlete, and I think he he has the build to me that looks like he fits into the scheme with with Chris Godwin, with Rob Gronkowski, and Tom Brady. He's got you know he was a high school sprinter, so he's got sprinter speed that he burns the the back end defenders on, and he's got great hands, and he's and he's you know got he's known for his vision, 
and at 24, I think maybe he has a little bit of maturity in his running style that that Arians was looking for in, in getting his guy. Yeah. And at the end of the day, take Bruce Arians third round running back. That's that is yeah. a great bet. Yeah. That's the key point for me is that he like they're not going to draft a guy in the third round to just let him sit on the bench forever. Like I don't right. see Ronald Jones becoming the guy for the yeah. future. Agreed, agreed. And so I think Dynasty changes that poll. Yeah. Which is, and it was 50-50. And they're not right. going to come out in the offseason and be like, oh, yeah, our current roster <laughs> sucks. Like, all the players suck. We don't want any of them. You know, and, and they clearly, I think the draft – so that third-round draft capital for Keyshawn Vaughn, I think actually really matters to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the window they are in now. And they clearly really liked him and valued him at that level. Because I didn't, I didn't really see him going in the third round, but – the fact that he's there, I'll change my opinion. I, I, I've you know, been wrong in the past and be wrong again, and I'm willing to, to change this one up. Yeah, man, if you haven't yet, I would, I would go read my, the article I wrote on uh, introducing the new, the new rookie running backs at the NFC and, and my section on Kayshawn Vaughn specifically because like, his highlights are just unreal to me. Like, he looks like when you watch him run, he looks like kind of like a – Dalvin Cook sized Austin Eckler, the way he hits holes and uses that sprinter speed to just accelerate and, and get through his gap. It's just, you know, I, I, I think he's got a lot of potential. Yeah. And not everybody has the same college experience. I mean, even look at Calvin Ridley, who came out after three years, didn't even red shirt, red shirt but his whole life leading up to that was a mess. Uh, right. And so with Keyshawn Vaughn, his whole collegiate experience was a, a complete mess. And so he ended up coming into the draft at this time. And again, that's why I think hearkening back to the draft capital, that matters. That matters yeah. more because they are taking an older running back and they need immediate production because his, his shelf life is probably like, what, four or five years at this moment, max? So I, I, I like the Keyshawn Vaughn scoop and score. Yeah, yeah. I think the other thing too, like I, I you know, think what you went about Keyshawn Vaughn, but like, like Ronald Jones, I just don't get the love for Ronald Jones, especially – I, I just think he is not going to give you anything in the passing game. He's got teeny tiny hands, um, 8.75 <laughs> inches, and I'm a hand snob. So, so Ronald Jones is, is just, you know, I, I, we haven't seen it yet, and that's a big red flag. You know, if, if um, you know, I guess he showed some flashes last year, sort of. But, uh, yeah, I, I just think that, that Ronald Jones is, is not going to be, uh, you know, popular with, with Tom Brady, and I, I think Keyshawn Vaughn is. I, 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 maybe that's, you know – I agree. Uh, you know, oversimplifying things and, and, and buying into narrative, but, but, but sometimes when you buy into narrative, the narrative is correct. And um, I, you know, for me, it's not so much that I love Keyshawn Vaughn. It's just that I, I just don't like or believe in Ronald Jones. And so many people do. And I think a lot of the, the, the hate on Keyshawn Vaughn is that you've got Ronald Jones truthers that are out there that still keep pounding the table for him. And, you know, we, we just don't want to give up our love for these players. You know, there's still people that are pounding the table for race Freeman, um, for example, when, um, you know, he may not even have the, not even be, may not be the RB three in, in Denver. And that just happens because we fall in love with these guys and we keep pounding the table. Um, you know, I, I, I still love Zay Jones, but you know, I, I realized that. <laughs> no, you don't. No, ball. you don't. Okay, That's don't. a lie. But, but I did. I loved him. And, and it happens. We're wrong on these guys. And I think we, we're just wrong on Ronald Jones. we got to move on. It's going to be Keisha. Yeah. Or if it's not Keisha Vaughn, it's going to be, you know, someone that's going to come Devontae out. Devontae Freeman. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. So they're going to sign somebody or some, you know, UDFA that they sign might, might emerge. I mean, but it's not going to be Ronald Jones. I'm it's also, pretty it's pretty, it's pretty wild how Devontae Freeman had lived off that one year of, of production. It's, 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, something similar could be said about David John, uh, David Johnson. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I like his prospect for a bounce back year in Houston, personally. Let's get back to tight ends. Um, yeah, and, yeah. And trades. <laughs> oh, I got. We can go I've got one. Oh, go ahead, Andrew. All right. So, so this was all. This was a pick trade. So this was during the draft. So it was the ten oh six. The fifteen thirteen and the eleven thirteen for <laughs> the twelve fourteen, the eleven oh one, and the ten fourteen. And those picks turned into Darrington Evans, uh Devin Duvernay, and Michael Pittman. Uh that those were the those were the picks for the recipient. And Denzel Mims, Irv Smith, and John Brown. Easy Irv Smith, men side. Just based yeah, off the that, that, that two tight end is he's just falling too far. And also Ryan never had a debate, and we have a bet. Uh, I'm actually a really big fan of John Brown, so that's that's not really fair to talk about heartstrings like that uh, with John Brown <laughs> and his potential production coming into this season. Uh, so so yeah, and, and in the start draft, those are the little moves that you can make, you know, and and you can accrue value. I think especially in two tight end where that. That like if Irv, if Irv Smith even hits and becomes a top fifteen tight end, that is so valuable for your team. So valuable. At eleven one, yeah, yeah. I'd actually add that I think Irv Smith has tight end one potential because if we look back at like I did a little bit of research before the show, but like Kyle Rudolph back in 2018, 2017, 2016 was tight end seven, tight end eight, and tight end two. Wow. So like that to me is like that's where Irv Smith will be. I just, yeah. that's without a question if he gets and, the targets. And the Vikings basically signed Rudolph to a one year extension. I mean, that's, so you're going to have to deal with that this year, most likely, assuming like no injuries and things like that. So, uh, but you, the, the patience there, because I do think, I do think Irv Smith has the potential to be great. You just got to so, wait. So, Will, on this piece of paper on the league, we're going to co on a team together, two tight end league. I've written down something. We're going to open it during draft day. It says, Irv Smith, no matter what. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because you guys have sold me we this is like the earth smith show what, what who are some other guys that you're really high on what other tight ends because we've talked a lot about earth smith there's there are there some guys that are you know can be drafted anywhere from like you know tight end 9 10 to tight end 16 that kind of range you know where you're getting away from the the top tier guys but you're getting getting you know whether what about like a some I'll just mention some guys I think are getting some some love like a like a Dallas Goddard for example maybe he's too obvious because everyone always talks about him but uh, Blake Jarwin's getting some love in Dallas uh, you like Jarwin um but who are some other guys that are like you know you go into these drafts and you're like I got to get these guys you know no matter what do you have any tight ends like that that go later I think for me it's Evan Ingram uh, you get a little bit of an injury discount with him. It does depend on the league, of course, because I probably wouldn't draft him as he went if he went at like the tight end five range. But I've seen him fall to like tight end eight, tight end nine off the board, and I just think uh, he has That's a new OC in Garrett, who loved to use Jason Witten. And in his rookie season, he started 15 games and was tight end five. So if he can figure out how to stay healthy, I love his talent. Would you be surprised if Evan Ingram was the target leader? on the Giants this season? It would be. I would be a little surprised, but also <laughs> I don't I don't see Tate 
Slayton and uh, Shepard, Shepard being too far apart. So that's an interesting take for sure. I like it. No, it's not. It's not a take because I can't do those. Because oh, no, uh, no, that's I, your new I hot have, take. I have a week backbone, <laughs> and that's actually borrowed from our our original Fancy Joe Trey as we were going through the the Fancy Joe Eliminator for the like Scott Fishbowl donations. Uh, we were talking about Evan Ingram and, and kind of where he sits, and he said he wouldn't be surprised if that's the target leader. And it really made me think. I actually wouldn't be that surprised if he was the target leader in the Giants because that offense is kind of a mess outside of. Saquon Barkley. Might be Saquon Barkley. <laughs> the target leader. <laughs> yeah, I can see it that, could be. Think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, but I, I, yeah, Evan Ingram is a guy that I really love still, but it, it seems like it, it's amazing he went tight in seven or eight in that draft, Jacob, because, you know, I, I mean, we forget what he did his, his rookie season, but I guess it's just because he's been injured and he's let so many people down. Um, but, man. That talk about potential and a guy we've seen do it at, a, at such an early age. So that's, that's a good name to mention. Um, wh- wh- who are, who, who are some other names that are, that are exciting that, that go a little bit later. Andrew, Andrew what about you? Go first. Cause then I got one. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to give, I'm going to give two. I'm going to give uh, Hayden Hurst. Uh, I think he's, uh, you know, got an extremely high upside for where you can get him in a draft right now. Um, you know, he did well behind Mark Andrews last year. And I think, uh, you know, he's building a really quick rapport with his quarterback, Matt Ryan, who really likes him and thinks he's a great athlete. Uh, and then even a little bit further than that down the line, um, who is buried in the depth chart. So this is definitely more of a sort of stash him on your bench and, and um, hope he gets used in the next couple of years. But Cahale Waring who spent his whole rookie season uh, on the injury reserve list for the Houston Texans is an extremely talented athlete. Um, he was a water polo stud and uh, <laughs> has potential to be, to be make, make a splash in that, in that NFL for sure. No pun intended. I <laughs> make a splash. Water polo player. Well done, Andrew. Bravo. Bravo. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I am a no. writer. How is he going to beat out Darren Fells? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Fels is on the way out. And, uh, Darren Fels is like 35 or something, isn't he? He's old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do think that Texans offense has such an opportunity where if you predict right who the player is that's going to come out of there with great fantasy production, like if you have passion about one of those players, you need to reach for them a couple rounds early because that is an area where people are fading but that offense, Deshaun Watson is the motor of that offense, and they're still going to be just fine. Absolutely. I agree. And I think Watson is a talented enough and young enough quarterback to elevate the guys around him and, and you know, bring Brandon Cooks his 5,000-yard season in through the air at the same time, you know, throw for, you know, tight end five plus, or quarterback five-plus season. He got Hunter Renfro drafted. That's a great, great talent. <laughs> yeah, I love the the two players, Andrew. I totally agree that wearing is a, a really fun stash in a start two tight end league. All right. Can I give mine? Yeah, of course. Uh, so this team had a new regime come in in 2019. They still were horrible as a team. It ended up with the first overall pick. I'm going Drew Sample, the second round pick from the Cincinnati Bengals last year. 
His athletic profile is fine. It's not great. It's not off the t- charts, but he does have, you know, he's at least percentile wise higher than, higher than the norm. Uh, he was, you know, brought in potentially as a blocking tight end, but I just want the starting tight end for that offense. And I think that he has been completely lost because he had five receptions last year, which is terrible. But it's, when it comes to rookie tight ends and get them late in the startup draft, Drew Sample is going, I couldn't even tell you, he, like he's just a forgotten player. And when you want to be like, want to look back at draft capital being taken at the, the he was at the two twenty uh, last year. They're at least invested in him. He at least has at least, you know, what, two, three more years to, to really make it up the depth chart. And he's so, so, so cheap. Love it. Love it. Um, one thing to remember too, is sample was injured last year for a little bit. He missed, uh, I believe it was, yeah, I'm looking it up seven games. So, um, I think from what I've heard about his like prospect, he's more of a blocking tight end, but like you said, if he's on the field, he'll get targets and I'll take that all day for cheap. And like, literally he's free. He may be on your waiver wire. I just want the starter and a two tight end thing, right? Like you just want mm-hmm. the starter. Yeah. For those for those well, weeks, like that could be a win. And and you're you're definitely right at turning the number one guy on the depth chart. Another name I'd like to bring up is Tyler Eifert, who just got traded. He's now gonna be the number one pass catching tight end for, for Jacksonville. So he could, you know, re resurface as a tight end T D dependent flyer, you know. What what uh, what about the flip side, guys? What about tight ends you want to sell? Like like guys, you think it's it's time to flip them? Um, like like I don't think this is the case because uh, you know Travis Kelsey. Um, what what is I, I mean? He still is at thirty thirty one. You know the thing about Travis Kelsey, the guy's an Iron Man. The guy doesn't miss time in the tight end position. You see a lot of guys miss time. Travis Kelsey. I think last time I checked, it was like one game in the past several years. It was due to concussion reasons. So the guy's an Iron Man. But, you know, is he a guy, if you're in a two tight end league and you own him, you can get a huge return for him. And based on his age, you want to sell, or is that just insane to even think about it? Or is he kind of like a guy like CMC? He's almost impossible to get rid of because he's so valuable. I did want to mention one thing before we got too far and related to Evan Ingram with what Will said is that he actually had more targets per game than anybody else on their team. Just wanted to throw that out there last Ooh. year. It was like 8.5. Some, t- some TPG. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, going back to your point, Ryan, I would not sell Kelsey right now. Um, I sold him in that in one of my start two tight ends, uh, tight end premium leagues, and got absolutely fleeced in the deal and should have just held him until the season. Um, <laughs> it's just you, it you can't – it does. It does. And I learned from it, but I just think with those guys like Julio Jones, Kelsey, anybody that's a little bit on the older side, you just hold them if you're a competing team. And if you're in a rebuild, then you wait until they have that really good game. Yeah. He, and he turns 31 in October. So it's not like, you know, he's a like, you know, 36 or 37. I, I mean, yeah, yeah. His buddy's going to start to break down because he plays a tight end position, but you know, in theory he could play three, four, five more good years at the position. Um, but but so who are some guys then um, to to sell tight ends to sell in two tight end leagues? Blake Jarwin. Interesting. Interesting. I think <laughs> and you, so. You let, let's look at the fantasy football landscape and see how many places are hyping up Blake Jarwin for a breakout year for this season. One, I just highly doubt that happens. That he's actually valuable. 
And I think in a two tight end league, again, with another owner that has the value of the tight end, kind of maybe where it should be, you got to find the right person. But I, I, I don't think Jarwin's special in any way, shape, or form. So I, I'm willing to move him to either do – do I need to add something to get Irv Smith? Do I need to pivot to, you know, to a different position and try to recruit value for my team? But I think his hype train right now is one of the most underrated hype trains in a two tight end landscape that I've ever seen. You know, I I like Jarwin a lot. I think last year he showed a lot of explosive explosive ability as a pass catcher, as a playmaker, and now he's the now he's like the number one tight end on that depth chart. So talk about targeting starting tight ends, and then our mouths defeated in that offense, no doubt. But I actually really like Jarwin as an athlete, and I think you know he could be one of those guys that you could flip him, but you know as underrated as the hype train may be, and there is a hype train for Jarwin, I think he could, I think I could see him having that blowout explosive year this, this year or, or possibly the year following. Yeah. I'm pretty neutral on the Jarwin um, <laughs> hype train or not, because I think it all depends on what your league mates think. And you can say that with a lot of players and that if like someone say values Jarwin as a, 2021 first plus then I'd probably move him versus I feel like most people would be like be like hey let me see it before I give you an offer yeah um yeah and I do think he has the opportunity to accrue value I just think in my opinion of him I mean I sure. I could easily be wrong and and you know if I'm wrong congratulations to Blake Jarwin I actually hope he proves me wrong and that has a very successful long NFL career uh <laughs> So one guy I've been targeting to tight end leagues, fellas, is I actually really like Greg Olson landing on the Seahawks. The Seahawks seem to produce a fantasy-relevant tight end all the time. And that person like also ten- tends to tear their patellar tendon all the time, which is very, very, very odd. They've had, I think they've had three different players tear that tendon in their knee uh, in the last two years, which is weird. But uh, him coming to that situation, he's a smart, savvy player. Russell Wilson doesn't need the explosive – you know, massive time. He's just a guy where he knows where he is all the time. And so I think for a one season little stopgap, I think Greg Olson, because I'm looking at just PFF, just an example, and their PPR rankings. They have Greg Olson at, at uh, tight end 25. I can easily see him catching six touchdowns, you know, like let's say like 650 yards. It's not anything like overly special, but he's a little plug and play tight end for this season for a team that's ready to win now. What do you think? What do you think about Will Disley? I, I, he's been hurt too often. I just, but great first name. That yes, that's true. I just, uh, I don't know. Maybe this just gets my head turning with just the different tight ends on that team. I just, if Will Disley has a setback or isn't starting, I'm all over Olsen. But I just think Disley's the younger, more talented player. Oh, I think Greg Olson is better than Will Disley right now. No questions asked. Guys, we're, we're talking about an Achilles injury, though, with Will Disley that he's recovering from. Those injuries are – His patellar was the year prior. Yeah, so it, I, think, I think it's going to be hard for him to return from an Achilles and perform. I mean, he's certainly an interesting name, and probably based on his injury history, you could get him, I would think, relatively cheap. But, um, yeah, I, I'm, I, I, I'm with Will. I think Olsen is a really interesting veteran that you could acquire that could really have a nice year. Um, but, yeah, there's a chance. I mean, he, he, you know, he came back from a pretty – Horrible injury at his his uh, rookie season to to produce for a little while before the Achilles, but 
I just, I don't know. I, I, the Achilles injury scares me. Andrew? Yeah, I, I, I go back and forth. I like Olsen if you can, if you can get him. Um, you know, I'm not going to reach for him. But if he's sitting there and, and the value is right, then I like his touchdown upside. Uh, I like his, I like his, you know, he's been playing the game quite a, quite a few years. So I think they, they'll probably be able to find a rapport pretty quick and, and get on the same page pretty relatively quickly. So I like Olsen, but I'm not crazy, crazy high on him. Um, some, some guys, some names that I would be willing to shop if I had, if I had him on my roster is uh, Noah Fant. I would probably be looking to shop um, because I think he has some upside, but my personal fear with him is that uh, he has some upside, he has some touchdown upside, but he's now on an offense with AJ Green, with uh, Joe, wait, no, Denver, sorry, with Philip Lindsay, with Melvin <laughs> Gordon, with uh, Jerry Judy, with uh, um, Cortland Sutton. Thank you. That's the one I'm forgetting. Even KJ Hamler, who was a super intriguing guy, you know. Absolutely. Is, like, yeah. is Deshaun Hamilton? He's coming out. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I just think that Denver offense is so packed with pass catchers that you know, if I have no fan, he's probably the guy on the Denver offense. Even though I'm high on him, he's probably the lowest guy on the Denver offense that I'm highest on. If that makes sense. Yeah. Jacob, let's get your opinion before I jump in here. Yeah, so I am more on the hold path with Noah Fant because I think that a lot of people are already having that thought process and decreasing its value. Um, uh, I just – good players get the ball, and so then I guess it depends on how you view – like I think Sutton's the best player on that team right now. And then between Judy and Fant, they're probably pretty even. And then KJ Hamler below them with Melvin Gordon and Royce, or Philip Lindsay in between. So it's definitely a tough thing because I, I was thinking back to also like Blake Jarwin with the, the Cowboys, they have three elite uh, wide receivers and Zeke. And uh, it's just tough to think like, okay, are they going to get the ball? But then again, we've seen it before with the Cowboys, but we haven't seen it with the Broncos. So Right. Yeah. Right. Well, the the thing is, is Fant is going as what a top eight, eight tight end in your drafts minimum. Yeah. Uh, like he's not dropping below that. And Andrew, I know you brought this up because you took out my heartstrings because of Iowa, and that's unfair <laughs> to begin with. Uh, because I want, I really, really want to be a hundred percent on Noah Fant that his career trajectory, like trajectory, is sky high tight end the you know tight end top five tight end year over year and his rookie years was 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 up and down and he battled some injuries that i don't necessarily like i i don't like a lot of ankle injuries uh you know with it with the tight end coming to the nfl and so i i, I struggle with i've sold him in a couple places i really haven't bought him but because i had no fan like i mean Hawkinson, no fan we went to iowa boys like this is those, those you know i'm getting a lot of them so that's uh, where, where I end up a Noah fan is it's just, I, I think at his current value, I am selling. I agree. I think it's a top five tight end. Like if I can move down, give, so if I can move down, let's just do a, a, a tight end only type of trade. But if I can move down to like Zach Ertz and get like a, a pick swap next year, 2021st and second, that's something I'm interested in doing. Like that, 
that kind of thing where moving to an older tight end, a guy who doesn't have as much hype, not as, you know, not on his exploding of an offense potentially with what's going on with Eagles all the time. Th- those are the kind of things I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that's a big part of it too, is again, it plays into your strategy overall as well. Are you trying to build a really youthful team that has a lot of potential next year, the year after that, or are you trying to say, no, I'm contending now because if that's your if that's your intention then you got to build for that intention hey yeah, you I, got go ahead jacob uh i was just gonna say that i would definitely do the earth's trade um is it do we have time for me to do one more spicy sell fire yeah away. yeah i was gonna well, yeah i was gonna say we're gonna transition the two minute warning here in a, in a second but yeah let's do the spicy sell first so i <laughs> am we have one more too actually Bro. <laughs> i'll be quick i'll be quick uh I, take your time no no rush i uh, have Goddard as a, a dynasty sell. Um, I know he's been a lower tier tight end one of the last couple of years, but for me, it's just he's being drafted at his ceiling. He's a current, according to DLF, the tight end 11, which I think is his, his ceiling on that team with Ertz still on it. And looking at like Ertz contract, um, it looks like they will have him on the team until the end of 2021 so that's two more years until goddard's release or goddard's unleashed on the team and i just think that if you sell him now for i mean shoot we've been talking earth smith jr up you sell him now for earth smith jr plus i would do that all day um it does depend on the league though because not every league's as high on goddard as um other ones but i just think that i'm not super high on him yeah and he's a common off-season writing piece that he that he's a great buy, so I think that's that's a, a an, an excellent you know conversation to bring to the table with Goddard. Yeah, I, I think that's a good observation, Andrew. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, oh, I not, now I hate it because somebody has to hate it. So <laughs> Dallas Goddard is the next coming of a, a <laughs> Anthony Gonzalez or not 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 Anthony uh, Antonio Gonzalez Gonzalez. Why am I missing Tony, Tony Gonzalez? Just Tony Gonzalez. <laughs> so yeah, he's you know he's, he's but he's going to be it. a tight end one for the next fifteen to twenty years, just like Tony. It is an all pro. As like as long as they can avoid those sucker punches, man, and, and those uh, oh. such so a good bar, so he'll be fine. Um, so because uh, we, but I think the thing with Goddard, people keep coming back to is it's like you know you know Ertz won't be there forever. Or, you know, Ertz is going to get injured. And then Goddard steps into that role. You got yourself a top five tight end. So, you know, he, he he's still a value because even, you know, he's, you know, 50-50 chance he works out for you this year because Ertz is definitely going to get injured. And even if he doesn't, a couple years, you're going to have this top five tight end. I mean, it just seems like that that hype train is just is just rolling and you, you can't stop it. And I think yeah. it does make sense to, you know, even if that happens, if you sell him now and get the value – it, you know, it, it, it might be, might be worth it. Cause then you can get somebody that can help you now and, and a little extra w- w- while the, the guy that owns Goddard you're, is waiting. So and I, it, I think it it's be, certainly interesting conversation. Yeah. And it might be boring, but I'm pretty like, I've, I've, I've been finally convinced. That I think Ertz is just going to be there forever and their wide receivers are going to continue to get hurt and he's just going to continue to get targeted. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how much more evidence we need of that. Like, like I just, it, he's not he's not sexy whatsoever to pick up anymore uh as he was like two years ago so i'm I've just kind of conceded that like i i'm not going to be excited about having zach Ertz, but i'm gonna like the results oh, oh, yeah 
so Andrew, you, you said you got had one more kind of spicy take you want to put out there. So what is it? Yeah, I uh, I think for his his value and his, his draft position right now, I would sell Gasecki while he is hot. He is people are driving his value so far up the charts right now. And if I had him, I would be turning him into Irv Smith and a 21 <laughs> first plus because that, you know, for me, I just think he has some upside, but I think that his upside is being dramatically oversold right now. Uh, okay. I, I, I mean, I, I guess I don't necessarily disagree with that, but I guess I have to push back. Uh, cause I, cause I'm, I'm a big fan of, of Mike Kosicki. Um, Mike Gusecki is I, I still I don't know after he's been in the league for two years if it's Gusecki or Gusecki, but you know the combine combine wonder man just blew up the combine we, we we saw some some sparks last year in Miami uh, now you know eventually Tua is going to be his quarterback I mean he's an exciting guy come on look at his age he's talented why why do we want to get rid of him so what what's the you know give me give me some more counter arguments to that Jacob. I can, uh, I'm actually on team sell Mike Gusecki. Uh, John Bauer uh, had an interesting article on Fantasy Pros, and uh, it's actually titled, Mike Gusecki is a bust in Dynasty Leagues. And the, the key thing for me was his stats with Preston Williams on the field and without Preston Williams on the field. So he, after, yeah, because he had twice the amount of targets with Preston Williams injured. Um, he had, I mean, about twice the amount of target share his yards increased by nine a game and then his PPR points increased by uh, six. So he went from 5.72 PPR points per game with Preston Williams on the field to 11.5 without. So, um, I mean, I agree with Andrew that he has some upside, but with the amount of crazy hype around him, I'd sell him. Will Greenwood. Uh I I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. So I I do agree that, Mike Gusecki is a potential sell. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with the, the Preston Williams comparison because that offense is going to change dynamically. And as, as soon as Gusecki was starting to get a higher snapshot, he started producing heavily. Even in week 14 last year where he had five targets, which is still great. Five targets for a tight end. We'll scoop that up each and every week. And he only had one catch for six yards. It's a horrible game. Uh, but – I, I, he started to be more and more involved. Off. I get that that injury happens, but he was a sophomore tight end. He's just coming off his rookie year. Uh, and we should expect them to develop and come down the path that now that he was more integrated and that he has shown flashes that we should be projecting that forward versus Preston Williams in the, the Ryan Fitzpatrick offense, which I think also a Ryan Fitzpatrick offense is one of my favorite fantasy things of all time. Don't, don't get me wrong but I don't think his offenses are predictable year to year and how it might change with Mike is second that offense if they moved to Tua. So I, again, Ryan, we talked about Mike second being, I, I called him a roster clogger, not, not too long ago. I mean, within recent history and I've kind of had to like eaten those words because he's totally valuable on your roster now. Uh, but long story short is, I need to know what you're what you're asking for in a Mike Gusecki deal. What are you looking to sell Mike Gusecki for? Out, even outside of the tight end range, like I, I need to know. You said Irv Smith, you know, maybe plus something else. I don't necessarily know if you're getting that from the Irv Smith owner. So give give me something else, uh, either just rookie picks or 
uh, another player in a different position that you're you've been like tossing out there, you've seen that you want. So I bet you could get a 2021 first and second for him, just based off of value. I mean, obviously it depends on going into the season how everything's looking. Um, you may be able to get Hayden Hurst plus for him, which I would do. Um, Drew Sample. so so one thing i do want to say too is that you know every you know it's every it's always going to be value dependent right like i'm not going to move gasecki if i'm not seeing the type of value that that he's worth at least to me but i think just with the current community and all of the excitement around him to me his especially thinking when now to me his upside for 2020 or even 2021 is lower than what i think i could get for him from a motivated motivated buyer motivated league mate who really likes his upside a lot <clears throat> yeah and he's kind of that 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 team that had that needs that second tight end to get over the hump that's who you're targeting in the two tight end league and that's who you want to sell mike Gusecki to uh, he's he, I, I, str- I and this is a great player. I struggle. I struggle with exactly where I land on Mike Gusecki because with his athleticism and involvement in that offense, his upside could be great. But I don't want to buy into it yet. I and I, I just can't figure out exactly why. I, I, and I know the Preston Williams uh, example is a good thing, but I just Dolphins players, man. Like it's this just burns you for years and years and years. Uh, and that's not even like a great analytical take, but it's it's hard. It's hard to want Mike Gusecki. So, so guys, let's let's transition into the two minute warning. Some f- final thoughts. There's a lot we didn't even get a chance to talk about, but we should do a two tight end, uh, you know, mock league. If not even a real league, maybe we do like a real best ball two tight end league and just just for fun. Oh, that sounds um, horrible. Uh, this is not horrible. Okay, we'll we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out fair. But um, there's a lot we didn't talk about. We didn't talk about the. This isn't a Debbie show, but you know, looking at that 2021 class, talking about trading for first and second round 2021 first. There are I've seen some some mock you know NFL drafts that have you know at least two tight ends in the first round. Um, uh, so you know the 2021 tight end class is interesting. It would be fun to talk about that. But we're, we're really out of time. So this is the two minute warning. So guys, this is a chance for you to talk about where people can find you on Twitter, the work you're doing, things you're excited about. So um, Andrew, you know why don't why don't you kick it off first? Tell tell the the good people where they can find you. <laughs> We'll obviously have your Twitter handle in the show notes, but anything you want to share about yourself? Sure. So um, my Twitter is the football pot. My website is the football pot.com uh, stirring up comprehensive insight from around the league. So um, that's just some of my NFL and fantasy football content creation stuff. I'm also a contributor for the Toro times and a ace with FF astronauts. Um, Outside of fantasy football, I'm a writer, ghostwriter, author, and content creator and marketer. So if you're looking for any of those services, feel free to hit me up. Awesome. Thanks, Andrew, for coming on. This has been Yeah, of course. Great. Thanks so much for this having me. Great, you're welcome. This has been a great conversation. Jacob, where can the good people find you? Yeah, so I'm most active on Twitter at jsnake underscore DFF. Uh, you can 
tag me on your trade polls. I'll retweet them. You can message me directly. I have quite a few people that do that. And then I also have some articles on at kingfantasysports.com. So those are the main places you can find me. Excellent. And hopefully we get, I can have you guys back soon because we'll figure out this two tight end, whether it's a mock draft or startup, if it's really or whatever. So um, we're going to get out of here. Uh, we're the Fantasy Joes. You can find us on Twitter. We're at FF Joes on Twitter. You can check out our Patreon. Um, listen, uh, Will, oh, Will needs, I, I just cut off Will from the two minute warning. Will, I'm sorry. I, I thought maybe you were spent for the night. Uh, oh, you know, I'm so that. sad. I wanted to talk about Gronk, Graham, Olsen. We got Oda Olsen, which is that's a big win for me. And Eric Ebron. Oh, mm, it bothers me. About, uh, that's, let's go. I'm at NXT <laughs> Joe underscore Will. Uh, you know, follow me. You'll get some great Twitch head end content. That's not actually true. When Will I'm, checks I'm Twitter, that Twitter. one time a week he checks his Twitter, you'll, you'll, he'll, exactly. maybe he'll give you a response. I was I'm talking to you and I'm before this. I just struggle with Twitter. I just struggle with getting emotionally involved. It's terrifying. All right. We're, anyway check us on a patreon we had a great conversation earlier the four of us on patreon patreon.com slash fantasy joes we're at ff joes on twitter on behalf of will greenwood i'm ryan livergood and we are the fantasy joes <laughs> greg olson